Thanks, Anna, and great to see you, friends. Today, we are finishing our first leg of the journey we're taking together through the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been working our way through the first four chapters of this letter that Paul wrote to the, to the church at Corinth, and we've called this series Undivided, because in this first section, these first four chapters, Paul has been talking to this church about some of the issues that are pulling them apart and how it is so important for us to stay together, united in the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I was a kid, my parents used to have this little phrase they would say sometimes, too big for your britches. You ever heard that? Too big for your britches. They'd say it to me sometimes when I was getting a little full of myself or a little too puffed up or when arrogance and conceit and pride were starting to drive my words and actions. Dave, you're getting a little too big for your britches. I know it's hard to imagine, but they'd say it sometimes. So Paul is saying a similar thing to the Corinthians. He's been saying it for four chapters. You guys have gotten a little too big for your britches. Last week, he capped off his challenge with some very strong language about their posture of arrogance and their sense that as Christ followers, they were to receive honor and praise and exaltation in this fallen, broken world where we live. And Paul says, that's actually not how it's going to go. In fact, last week, Paul launched at them with some fairly strong, sarcastic language. And you know, you know that when you get to sarcasm, you are really pouring it on. Paul was coming at them with guns blazing. But today, today as we finish chapter four, as we land the plane of this first leg of the journey, Paul is going to change his tone. And today he's going to, instead of challenging them, he's going to remind them of who he is to them. He's going to say, I've been coming at you strong. I've been challenging you and rebuking you. But here's the reason why. Because I'm actually your spiritual father. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, I've been so hard on you because I'm a father to you. Let's read it together. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 14 through 21. If you have a Bible, follow along with me. I am writing this not to shame you, But to warn you as my dear children, even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. Some of you have become arrogant As if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon if the Lord is willing. And then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Today, friends, we're going to learn some things from Paul. Today, we're going to learn what a spiritual mother or father, what a spiritual mentor, what a spiritual parent should look like. And today, Paul's going to give us four things, four things to consider. Here's the first. A spiritual parent is motivated by love. If we look again at verse 14, he says this. 
I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. As my dear children. Underline that word dear. In the Greek, it's the word agapetos. A better translation might read, I'm writing to you as my beloved children. Some of you recognize that word agapetas. It's a form of the word agape, which is the preeminent word for Christian love in the Bible. It's actually the strongest kind of love there is. It's the deepest kind of love. It's the kind of love that God pours out on you and me in Christ. But it's not just a love of emotion. It's not just a feeling. Agape is a love of the will. It's a love that decides. It's a love that's determined. It's a love that says, no matter what, through thick or thin, I will fight for what's best for you. Friends, a spiritual parent is in it with their kids even when times get hard. Even when their kid goes wayward, a spiritual parent says, I love you so much that I will fight for you. Do you have anybody in your life like that? Do you have anybody who is just fighting to help you walk with God the way that you should be? Are you fighting for anyone else like this? Because we all need a spiritual parent in our lives. Paul here says, when a child is in need of correction, the love of a spiritual parent does not shame, it admonishes. When a child is in need of correction, the love of a spiritual parent does not shame, it admonishes. And this is really important for us to distinguish between because shame tears people down. Shame doesn't just tell people you've done something wrong, but that you are something wrong. Shame says to someone, your failure is actually what defines you. And Paul wants to be very clear as he writes to the Corinthians, that this is not his intent. He says, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you. And that word warn is, is a really significant Greek word. It's nutheteo, nutheteo. A better translation would be to admonish you. I write, I write not to shame you, but to admonish you. It's a word that means to criticize in love with a view towards change. It's a word that says, I want you to see your sin so that you can make the needed corrections in your life that will lead you away from destruction and towards hope and joy and peace and truth. Friends, let me get real practical today. If you are looking for or if you are looking to be a spiritual parent, love will call you to challenge, but not to criticize, not to have a critical spirit. You're going to have to speak truth, but without tearing the other person down. Paul says, you are my beloved, so I don't shame you. I admonish you. I, I lift you up and I build you towards who God wants you to be. A spiritual parent is first and foremost motivated by love. Here's point two. A spiritual parent makes their life available. Makes their life available. Read with me again in verse 15. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Now, certainly here Paul is referring to the fact that he is the first person to preach the gospel to the Corinthians and that he is actually the person who led them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. 
He's certainly saying that, but I believe he's saying more than that. The word he uses here for guardians, like guardians of the galaxy, is is a Greek word that refers to a servant or a slave who was given the responsibility to look after a child and offer them moral guidance. A servant or a slave whose job it was to look after a child and give them moral guidance. And Paul is saying, that is one example. For these people, it's a job. It's a duty. It's a task. But Paul is saying, not for me. The guidance of your life is not just a job or a task for me. He's saying, sure, some of those guardians care about you. Sure, they want to help you. But but they're not as invested in you as a spiritual parent is. A parent's love is stronger, deeper. A parent will pour out their very life for their child. Notice he says, in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. The word became there, if you technically read it in Greek, is kind of a a funky word. It's the word begotten, begotten. He, He says, I have begotten you in Christ Jesus. What he's saying is, like, there's a part of me that's been given to you. I have poured everything I am in Jesus into your life. I've given you my very self. Friends, what Paul is telling them here and what he's telling you and me is this. You cannot be a spiritual parent from a distance. You cannot be a spiritual mentor kind of, sort of, or a little bit, or every now and then, or just when it's convenient. It does not work that way. Spiritual parenting requires that you take your life and pour it into the life of the other. And and here's the truth. You probably only have the bandwidth to do this with a few people. Spiritual parenting requires so much that you cannot do it for everyone. You can only do it with a few. Spiritual mentoring takes intentionality and vulnerability. It's a significant time investment. It's a significant relational investment. It's a significant spiritual and emotional investment in the other. Friends, can I tell you this? I believe this is why the church often struggles to do real discipleship in our American culture. Because we're not willing to invest on this level. We're just too busy. We have other priorities. And spiritual mentoring, spiritual parenting requires a lot. Let me ask you this again, church. I'll ask it a few times. Do you have a spiritual parent? Do you have an invested spiritual mentor? Is there someone who is pouring their life into your life in this way? Are you invested in someone else in this way? A spiritual parent makes their life available. Verse 16, Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. This is the third point. A spiritual parent models what they teach. Models what they teach. In Philippians 4.9, Paul says it this way. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, we'll get there at some point, Paul's going to say this to them, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow Christ's example. Friends, time and time and time again, all throughout the scriptures, Paul says this to New Testament believers, don't just listen to what I say, look at what I do. Watch how I live. He says, my way of life agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. In other, in other words, my teaching and my life are congruent with one another. Friends, just, just some time ago, I was with a pastor and I was talking with him. And at one point, this pastor was lamenting about the difficulties and the struggles and the hardships of full-time ministry. And I was joining with him in this lament. And then he made a comment about how so often he doesn't live out on Monday what he preached on Sunday. And, and I have to say, I love the honesty and the vulnerability of this guy. He was just being honest and real, and you know I appreciate that. And yet at the same time, I found myself thinking and praying, may that not be so. God, by your grace, may that not be so of me. And friends, may that not be so of you because I want my life and my teaching to be consistent with one another. I want to live out on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday what I preach to you on Sunday. And will I be perfect? No, absolutely not. But I want there to be congruence between those two realities. Another pastor I read this week said, Discipling isn't just teaching principles. It isn't just applying rules. It's living principles out in front of people. It's living principles out in front of people. Friends, this is not easy. And, and honestly, it's why the toughest place to be a spiritual parent is often in our own homes. Because, let's get real, our kids, our spouse gets to see the real us. They get to see the real you, the frustrated you, the tired you, the irritable you, the I'm over it you. You see, in the home, you can't just decide to put on your discipling suit and say, I'm going to go out and do some discipling. I'm going to go make some disciples and then get home and take it off and put your comfy clothes on. No, it's not how discipling works because your family is always with you. So you've got to be the real deal all the time. Now, that's not, say, that's not to say being a spiritual parent requires you to be perfect. Of course it doesn't. We all sin. We all fall short. Paul talks about his struggle with this very reality, and he's open with it all throughout the New Testament. But here's what being a spiritual parent does require. Not perfection, not following Jesus perfectly, but following Jesus with genuineness and authenticity. We talked about this last week. Now, before we move on to our final point, I want to point one more thing out here because there's something a little bit counterintuitive in this section of our passage today. Paul says, I urge you to imitate me. He's saying, imitate my life. My life and my teaching fit together. They're in congruence with one another. Imitate me. But, but since I'm not with you, since I'm not there, go ahead and imitate my son, Timothy. Friends, we have to understand in this moment, Timothy was not old. 
Timothy was not advanced in years. Timothy was a young, young man, but we're told this about Timothy. He was faithful in the Lord. Young people, hear me right now. You do not have to wait until you're older to start walking faithfully with Jesus. You do not have to wait until you're older to be an example. You do not have to wait until you're older to have an influence for the kingdom of God where you are. You can be a spiritual leader, a spiritual influence, a spiritual mentor right now. Here at Cedar Mill Bible Church, we have this this slogan, and, and I love this slogan. We say, the next generation of world changers for Jesus are in our midst. Are in our midst. Not someday, not around the bend, not around the corner. You are in our midst now. And so now is the time, young people, to say to God, use me. I'm here. I'm available. I want to walk with you, and I want to be an example for others. Use me, Lord. Use me in my family. Use me, Lord. Use me at school. Use me, Lord. Use me with my friends. Use me, Lord. Use me in my church. Now is the time to be used by God. Do not wait until you're older. Friends, a spiritual parent models what they teach. A spiritual parent just lives out the truths of the Scripture in front of other people around them. Verse 18. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you. I love this verse. It reminds me of when I was a kid and we lived in a house that had a living room with vaulted ceilings. And so my my little brother and I had determined that this would be the perfect room for us to play Nerf basketball in. And so when my parents would go out for the evening, when they would go off and leave us alone, my brother and I would take all the furniture in my mom's formal living room and we would push it off to the sides, creating a a giant open space. We would tape the Nerf basketball hoop up on the wall and we would play Nerf hoops in my mom's living room. And friends, it was like worry-free, carefree, fear-free misbehavior. Why? Because mom wasn't home. (laughs) She wasn't there. And so we could do whatever we wanted. Paul in our passage today says, this is how the Corinthians are living. (laughs) Like, Like young children, arrogant and kind of cocky in their deviance because Paul, their spiritual dad, he's gone away. He's not there. He's out for the evening, out for the year. Verse 19, Paul says this, to burst their bubble. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have, if they have the power to actually live out the gospel that they're preaching, to actually have the truth manifest itself in their lives. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power, not just what we say, but what we do and how we live. And then he says this, what do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come in love and with a gentle spirit? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? Paul's final point is this. A spiritual parent moves in to discipline when necessary. Moves in to discipline when necessary. And we're saying that very, very carefully, friends, because a spiritual parent does not move in to discipline immediately. 
A spiritual parent does not move into discipline impulsively. They move in to discipline when necessary. And if you read this passage, if you back up from it, what Paul is really saying here is, I don't want to have to discipline you. How many of you have said that to your kids before? I don't want to, I don't like, I don't enjoy disciplining you. Paul's saying, I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to come to you with like guns blazing and being the bad guy. That's not what I want. He says, I'm offering you a warning. We're back to verse 14. He says, I'm warning you. I'm warning. I don't want to have to discipline you. I'm warning you. When my brother and I were in the Nerf basketball in the living room phase at some point in that whole process my dad caught wind of what was going on Um, he figured out what we were doing and so of course what did he do like any good dad he sat us down and he said don't let your mother find out this is a true story don't don't let your mother find out and so okay we had this charge like mom can't know nerf hoops in the living room I guess it's okay with dad as long as mom doesn't find out and then one night it happened they were off we were in the middle of like a hot Nerf hoops horse game when all of a sudden, earlier than expected, we hear a car horn honking and we see the lights in the driveway. Mom and dad are home early and so we begin to scramble. We're just running around. We're moving furniture, trying to get everything back just the way it was. And my parents come in the door and we're standing there a little out of breath, looking really suspicious. And instantly my mom starts asking questions. She knows, you know what moms are. They know when something's up. My mom knows something's up. And she's like, what's going on in here? Why why are the two of you acting so nervous? And furthermore, why is your father honking the car horn as we pull into the driveway. What's happening? And you know what, friends? I thought we pulled it off. I I thought we were in the clear. We were so, so close to getting away with it until mom looked up and saw the one thing we'd forgotten, the Nerf basketball hoop still taped to the wall. Here's my point. Don't miss my point. Fun story. My dad didn't want us to get in trouble. My dad didn't want to have to discipline us. He was trying to warn us. And that's what Paul's doing in this letter. He's saying, get things squared away on your own so I don't have to come and discipline you. I don't want to come with the rod. I, don't, I want to come with a gentle spirit. I want to come and say, good job. You're doing great. But here's the truth. Here's the truth of what Paul is saying. Here's the truth underneath the truth. He's saying, I don't want to discipline you, but I will if I have to. I don't want to discipline you, but I will if it's needed. Friends, we all need people in our lives like this. We all need people in our lives who are willing to do the hard work of disciplining us when we need it. We all need people... And our lives who love us so much that they will have the long, hard, difficult, uncomfortable conversations that other people will just avoid because they actually want us to grow. Two things on this as we close. One, if you want to be a spiritual mentor, a spiritual parent in someone's life, you had better learn to get real comfortable with conflict. You'd better get used to leaning in and sharing the whole truth and not just sort of letting things slide by because it's easy. Because friends, here it is. No one grows without challenge. No one grows and matures without someone who is willing to build a relationship and then at some point 
speak hard truth. No one grows without that. And so if you want to be a spiritual parent, get comfortable with it. Be willing to do it. Point two, if you want to grow, if you really want a spiritual mentor or a spiritual parent in your life, you had better be open to receiving conflict. You better be open to some hard challenge coming your way. And I say this because, honestly, most of us aren't. Most of us will hear this message and say, yeah, I want that, I'm open to that, I long for someone to do that in my life, as long as it doesn't make me too uncomfortable. Because the truth is this, someone will come to you, someone who loves you, someone who's built a relationship with you, and they'll challenge you, and they'll speak something hard, and then all of a sudden, we're out, we're done, we're defensive, we bail, we change churches. I mean, we are so, so thin-skinned when it comes to people challenging us, even when they're speaking truth so that we can grow. Friends, Maybe the biggest question in this entire message is this. Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow in Christ? Do you want to mature? Do you want to become all that God longs for you to be? If so, then you'd better be open to people because they love you, challenging you, and sometimes speaking truth to you that is really hard to hear. I hope that's what you want. I hope, Cedar Mill Bible Church, that this is what you long for. I hope that's why you're here. I hope that's why you come to be a part of this body, to be challenged and rebuked, sometimes criticized, but also encouraged and affirmed. Why? So that you can grow in Jesus. Because here, here's the other reality. All of us need this because we have this tendency to drift. At some place in my life and in your life, at some place in your life, you'll have this tendency to drift towards living room nerf hoop basketball whatever that looks like for you you'll have this tendency to sort of move out of the bounds of how God wants you to be living and behaving and acting and thinking you will drift that way in some place in your life and you need someone to help bring you back someone who loves you and cares about you and who's invested in your life in the Lord friends as we close, let me ask you one more time. Do you have a spiritual parent? Do you have a spiritual mentor in your life? Do you have someone who's investing in your maturity in Christ and your growth in him? Some of you maybe have almost a spiritual parent. You have someone who you hang out with and who you talk about spiritual things with and, and you do a lot of life together in community with, but you're, but you're not quite there. Maybe what you need to do is just go to that person this week, pray about this, go to this person and just say, hey, can we take it up a notch? Can I just give you permission to be this kind of person in my life? Maybe that's what God is calling you to do this week, to just to be a, a little more intentional in your relationship. For others of you, you don't have anyone like this. There's no one that you're even thinking of. Here's my challenge to you. Pray. Just pray. Just start praying. Just start asking God, God, would you bring someone in my life to lead me, to guide me, to mentor me? Would you bring a spiritual parent into my life? Young, old, my same age, whatever it is, Lord, I need someone to fill this role so that I can grow in you. Would you just pray about that? Friends, I long for all of us here to have that person. Why? 
because our calling as a church is to become like Jesus and make him known. And in order to make that a reality, we all need a spiritual parent. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this, these closing verses of, verse, of chapter 4 where Paul just challenges us to go deeper in relationship and reminds us the power of having a spiritual parent in our lives. I pray that we would lean into this, Lord, as a church family, that we would all seek out these kinds of relationships, that we could grow and become mature in you. That's our prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.